I want to offer you a few snapshots. Um, use your imagination a little bit as we think about uh, what we bring here today. She walked into the church feeling miserable. It had been one of those weeks. Kids were out of control. Her husband in the house, but absent most days. Her job driving her up the wall. She felt like everything was demand. Everything was push, push, push. She felt like she'd not had any time to herself. No time to focus or center or just relax. He sat in the sanctuary and wondered what could possibly be next. He felt so angry. That jerk in the White House tweeted again this morning. Unrest around the world, the economy teetering on the brink. Facebook consumed him these days, posting and commenting and arguing, and no one seeming to listen. Don't people see where this is headed? Don't people know this is not what Jesus is about? She sat rejected. She loved that job. 13 years. Thought of her coworkers as friends. And then a call from HR, a meeting, a box, and a security escort to the door. What was she going to do? He and his wife had split a couple months ago. He was pretty sure she was going to bankrupt him. Can't say he was surprised, I mean, that it happened. But he felt ashamed. Didn't really know why. Told himself divorce isn't that unusual these days. Still, most days he just went through the motions. Getting his work done, smiling for his co-workers, chatting with the neighbors when he walked the dog. He felt empty, numb. She was hungry, but she wouldn't tell anyone. She sat in the balcony thinking about food and condemning herself for it. She felt fat. She felt ugly. She felt like her life was determined that no one could possibly love her, that she would never measure up. She controlled what she could, restricting her food, thinking if she were only thinner, more pretty, more whatever, that someone might love her. He felt horrible. His head hurt, his stomach was churning. <laughs> the bar was fun last night, the booze was good, but he didn't remember much of it. Wasn't even sure how or when he'd gotten home. He sat in the chair trying not to vomit, but wishing he could just go back to bed. And the pastor looked out over the congregation row upon row of shiny, happy people. He was proud to be in the pulpit, glad to be pastor of such a great group of people who had their lives together. He delighted to preach the word, hear back, nice sermon, pastor. He lived for it. Deliver a good, clean, inspiring sermon, he thought. Nothing too challenging, nothing too deep. Keep it simple and they will love you. This text from Luke 13 may not be as familiar as some to us. Um, begins simply enough with Jesus once again teaching in the synagogue, 
as uh, he often does. Jesus was a faithful Jew, and Luke tells us more than any of the others that the majority of his teaching time was spent on the Sabbath in the synagogue. You know, he tells us many times how Jesus went from town to town, synagogue to synagogue, sharing his message and empowered his disciples to do the same thing as they went among the Jewish community and share the message that Jesus had to share. I mean, you might even think back, if you're familiar with Luke's Gospel, to Luke chapter 4, which is really kind of the beginning of Jesus' ministry there, where he reads from the scroll of the prophet Isaiah, right? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to bring good news to the poor, to release the captives, and so forth. And then Jesus says there in 4, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And then they take him out. They want to throw him off the cliff after that, by the way. Um, later, Jesus is in the synagogue once again, and a man comes up to him with a withered hand. And Jesus heals him and gets into trouble. And today, here in chapter 6, or chapter 13, it's, it's no different, right? This woman who has bent over with suffering for 18 years, we're told. I mean, we, we don't know what it was exactly, but, you know, osteoporosis maybe, or who, who knows? I mean, we always kind of want to make scientific stuff out of the scriptures, but the, the story simply tells us that she was bent over, right? How does a person interact with a community when they're like this? Kind of look sideways at people maybe, right? Right? We're never told this woman's name, but we know her as, you know, the bent-over woman, right? This is, she, she's a description. Well, you know that lady, that lady at synagogue, the bent-over one, right? Well, she was there, part of the community, with her bent, right? Her bent, very visible, <laughs> right? Jesus sees her. I think that's the key to this passage. Jesus sees her. And he calls her over to him. I'm not sure, there's no motivation described, although I can assume that it was compassion, right? And maybe he knew that it would cause trouble. He knew the Sabbath laws. He knew that you weren't supposed to work on the Sabbath, right? But what is it that we ought to do? This is that's another word here in the text, too. The religious leaders use it, you know, you ought not. And Jesus says, well, what ought you to do, right? He calls the woman to him. And he simply tells her, woman, you are set free from your ailment. And he touches her, straightens up. Can you imagine? She straightens up, maybe her arms to the ceiling, she begins praising God, and I can imagine that community coming around her just in celebration that this woman was healed? Jesus says, set free. Notice that. You are set free. But not everybody <clears throat> is thrilled, right? There are six days to come and to be healed. Come on those days, not on the Sabbath. You're messing up our routine here. You're getting in, 
you've mixed up the liturgy. You got things out of order. You ought not to do it this way. And Jesus says, well, come on. What ought we to do? I'd like to invite you to look around this morning and ask yourself a question. So if you're looking at me right now, you're not following the instructions. I invite you to look around. <laughs> look at one another. And ask yourself, what, what kind of community is this? What do you know about these people? I mean, what do you like really know about them? We see one another, you know, most weeks. Maybe we speak to each other. We might even consider one another friends, right? But what do we know about each other? Do we know one another's darkest troubles or our greatest delights and joys? Do we know what, like, motivates us or what discourages us? Or what might make us feel angry? Or what we might get excited about and passionate about in life? Or maybe turn it around this way and think about it this way. Consider your own deepest struggle or greatest joy. And wonder to yourself whether or not you could or would ever share that with someone in this room and let them walk in that with you. Jesus says, well, what ought we to do on the Sabbath? What's this law about? Come on, folks. Hypocrites, he says. <laughs> He'll do whatever is needed to take care of mundane things. In his day, it was lead a donkey to water. For us, maybe it's, you know, make sure the coffee's on, the cookies are ready, altar is set, right? Don't neglect the important stuff. Shouldn't people be set free when they enter into this community? Shouldn't each be reminded that they are children of God? Notice, that's how Jesus addresses it. This daughter of Abraham, what ought we to do for her? Shouldn't each person be welcomed with their bent here in this place? Isn't this what it's about? Isn't this what we come here seeking? David Schnasa Jacobson writes on the website, Working Preacher, by the way. When God is up to something, prepare to be unbound. 
whether from confining diseases or social norms about persons with disabilities or even holy pieties. The fact that Jesus does this, the miracle we just read about, within the Jewish tradition and for a daughter of Abraham shows that God keeps showing up, drawing the circle just a little wider and unleashing a divine horizon that begets rejoicing over the loosing of every human bondage. We who gather around the table should not be surprised. There, sometimes despite ourselves, we glimpse the great and glorious thing that God is doing. We celebrate that space that is there for all, and we give our thanks and praise. The God who shows up does not lead us out of our fellowship, but more deeply into it with others and with a Jesus who is committed with his very journey to the strange thing that God deems necessary. What ought we to be doing here? Hmm? What's it about, this church thing? <laughs> Look around. Know that you are loved. Know that you are welcome. Know that in Christ you are set free from every bondage. Be at peace. Rejoice. You are loved. 